Okay, hi, this is Downtown Josh Brown. I'm here with Michael Batnick, as usual. We're gonna play our favorite game, What Are Your Thoughts? I don't know what Mike's gonna ask me about, and he doesn't know what why, I'm gonna ask him about. Why are you shouting? I'm so excited. Duncan, hit the music. I wanna talk about this thing that Balchunas wrote. So Eric Balchunas is the ETF reporter at Bloomberg, and he did a thing about how this year, a thousand ETFs uh, were killed or put out of their misery by the, the fund company that had launched them. And there are still four to 500 zombie ETFs, you know, that are barely collecting assets around. Um, should that be like scary to investors if they buy an ETF and it gets shut down? Or should they just say, all right, this one didn't work out on to the next? Like, how should we feel about that many um, exchange traded products dying in one year? Hmm, I don't really have strong feelings on this. Like, is it a, who, I mean, it's sort of a non-issue in my mind. Well, like, what do you mean exactly? I don't know that it's a non-issue if you have a portfolio and you're holding these things. Nobody has a portfolio of zombie ETFs. Well, they'll, you probably don't have more than one, but everyone I, probably has a few. And it's probably a very small piece of your portfolio anyhow. Right, because they're Because they're probably like these niche ETFs, like, uh, whatever, pick something stupid. So Eric is saying that this is actually an example of the market working and capitalism working in the ETF space, like things that should die are put out of their misery, just like any other failing business enterprise or unpopular product. I'll wait for a billionaire to weigh in before I give my opinion. A, a billionaire to weigh in on ETF closures? On the capitalism in ETF land. Do you know how many ETFs there are, period? Uh, 3,000. Is that the number? No, I'm, I don't know. I don't know the number either. Uh, we should look into that. All right, what do you got? Uh, so I thought of this question and then I realized, was this in The Irishman, the question I'm about to ask you? So we had a, a meeting recently. We should just talk about The Irishman the entire we had, a, we, had a, we had a meeting recently where the people came 14 minutes early. And I was a little annoyed. Okay. So I feel like five minutes early is like respectful. That's not what, in The Irishman, the guy was 15 minutes late. Right, you're right. Okay, anyhow. And, he was, and they were saying like 10 minutes is the max. Okay, acceptable. so let's, let's invert that. Let's talk about what's too early. If you're 15 minutes early, is that, isn't that rude? Well, where are you coming from? If you're coming from the airport, you can get there as early as you want. Like, where are you no, supposed you can't. to go? Go to a coffee shop. No, you can't. You can so, get there two hours early. Go sit at, what's that stupid coffee shop on our block? Blue Bottle. Le, no, oh, that's uh, the stupidest. Le, Le Pen Quotidian. Go sit in that hellhole for, for 20 minutes? What's the difference? What are you talking about? There's no limit to how early you can come if you're coming from the airport? All right, there's a limit, but is, fi is 15 minutes the limit? Airport aside. Is 15 minutes? So if you're 20 minutes early to an appointment, you stay on the street like a schmuck? Like, what are you supposed to yeah. do? I don't know. You, uh, you scroll through Twitter. Why does it bother you? It's oh, rude. I know why it's it bothers rude. you. Because you have a glass door next to you and people can see that. No, no, whatever. I just think it's rude. All right. What do you got? Student equity. So mm. there's 1.5 trillion in student loans. They're, they take the form of debt. I'm reading almost every day now a new article about what are called uh, income share agreements or ISAs. Um, Purdue University is at the forefront of this. Basically, they're putting up um, the ability for students to pay for their tuition um, in the form of equity from somebody investing in them like a shareholder and then getting a share of their income later after they graduate. And I wanna know your opinion on this from both sides. The first, from the side of the student, is this superior than fixed rate debt? Um, and then from the side of the investor, 
is this an attractive thing to buy as an alternative to, let's say, a traditional bond or, or a traditional venture investment even? I don't even know like what you would compare this to, um, but w- what are your thoughts from both sides? Uh, okay, so I will caveat this with, I don't really know much about this, so I'm making this up, so forgive me. Okay. Um, I think that, th- I think the professor or somebody from Purdue was on a podcast, Odd Lots maybe? It was on one of them, but I thought it was, it's like, oh, that's an interesting idea. So would I rather give up 2% of my income for 15 years or pay $190,000 for four years of, of tuition? Yeah. Probably rather give up my income. Yeah, so this is-, this is Like what what's, what's the worst case scenario that you become filthy rich and are giving like- no, isn't that a good so risk? It wouldn't work that way. The school, Why there's caps? The schools that are doing this are putting a cap. Okay. One of the, one of the schools, it's two and a half times the total value of what you were lent, is the most you could pay back. Okay. Um, and then another school is saying that you have to be making a minimum of fifty thousand dollars a year before you're obligated to pay anything back. So I love it. Words, so they're not punitive. So the, right. So the employer has to wait until like you have your feet underneath you. Not the employer. The uh, the, it's not really a lender, the investor in you. Um, all right, so now from the investment side, let's say you want a family office and you have $500 million to allocate and you have $5 million for some random alternative shit and you're able to go on a website and select students. You can read about their GPA, their activities. Well, don't you think it's gonna be, it'll be bundled? You're not gonna be able to select individual not students. Not necessarily, right now. Oh my God, student picking is a new stock picking? Well, go <laughs> Right now, you could say like, this guy is gonna major in something that I think has the ability to pay me back faster. I'll invest in him. English lit. You think this is gonna be like an interesting can category? You, can you short? Uh, can you short a student? <laughs> well, all right, again, without knowing anything, I would say- I would have been a good I would student say to short. It's intriguing, need to learn more. Okay, my turn. Fair enough, go. Uh, let's talk about the stock market. Go. So, notwithstanding- Bullish? This, notwithstanding today's plunge, yeah. Up 25% year to date. Yeah. And I know one year returns, are blah, 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 whatever. 30 daily new, uh, new highs or 20, 25 new highs just, this year. So if you had to like give a tidy narrative of what happened in 2019, where did these returns come from? What would um, you say? The stock market likes when uh, interest rates are headed lower, not higher. I mean, that's just the reality. We can point to all these historical cases where that didn't matter. Right now, it just, it matters. Um, we were in a 20% drawdown a year ago, uh, pretty much next week. Mm-hmm. And the only, nothing's changed with the economy. We're still growing between 1% and 2%. We still haven't sorted out the thing with China, and we're probably not going to. So what's changed? Well, what's changed is the Fed raised rates four times last year and cut three times this year. You think it's that simple? Yeah. Why, like why, why overcomplicate it? Um, and some of it is fundamental, and some of it is psychological, but it's a potent cocktail. So fundamentally speaking, it takes some pressure off of companies and um, maybe makes it even easier for them to borrow than they, than, they, than they already had it. And then psychologically, people say, there's nowhere else to go, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, don't, think, like, I don't think we need to come up with this complex narrative. Um, one thing that's interesting is that Europe didn't have a recession this year. And there were people last year saying it's a guarantee if this trade war with China goes on another year, Europe will be in recession. Uh, didn't happen. So, um, I want to ask you on uh, in the same vein. Um, yes, I think, I think Goldman Sachs put out something saying uh, the sixty forty portfolio just had its best year 
since 1998. Pretty I good. think it's up 20% plus. Um, so that would be 60% S&P 500, 40% Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. Um, so if you did nothing and just adopted the 60-40, you made a fifth more on your portfolio than Which, where we were. Which, by the way, nobody really owns the 60-40. Fine, but if you even looked anything close to that, you're happy this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And most financial advisor portfolios probably look something similar to that. So they're up high teens or low 20s. Um, how, many, how many times are we gonna write the death of the 60-40 before there's just total capitulation and even the bears say, capitulation you know what? what, it's reasonable. No. What? Well, they were saying it died last year. Like, they, they, they seem to never run out of you will never, opportunities. You will never see that headline. You'll never see somebody say, look, I'm not positive on the economy. I have concerns about debt. Would you read that? But the 60-40 is probably okay. Would you read that? I'd read the article. You'll never read that article. I wouldn't read that article. Boring. So they'll just they'll call for it again next year. Doesn't matter. Uh, the Wall Street Journal, um, the drop in deal activity, talking about buyouts, um, comes as private equity firms' unspent cash dedicated to North American buyouts reaches a record $771 billion, up nearly 24% since the end of last year. Three quarters of a trillion dollars in cash. That needs to be allocated. That needs to be allocated or else they have to give it back. So is this cash on the sidelines bullish for the illiquidity premium? Is it what are you, bearish? What well, do you think? What do you do with three quarters of a trillion dollars? Well, you, you take Microsoft private. <laughs> I, I, I think. Uh, well, hold, I, hold, hold on. On the one hand, you have people saying that valuations are at all time highs in these private deals. And then you just like, OK, well, this is reasonable. Cash is piling up because they're not they're not being reckless with how they're spending it. Will they give it back, though? There's not a there's not yeah, a great the, history of these, these when, firms when the, not deploying when the, it. when the funds wind down, they will. Well, let me put it to you this way. It's a little bit misleading when you say like a drop off in deal because it's always against the comp that was a year ago. And you have to go back and look what was going on a year ago. Well, how if about there this? was one massive deal, it skews the, the comp. So lower in 2019 than it was in 2015 and like less than half of what it was in 2007. What's lower? The amount of US deals? US buyout deals. Or the, the total dollar figure of deals? US buyout deals, uh, a dollar. Dollar amount. It okay. was 155 billion dollars in 2019 through October. Through October in 2015, it was 234 billion, and in 2007, which is like off the charts, it was 366 billion. Oh, you think what I'm thinking? I don't know. What do you think? Santa Claus rally, in private equity, it's a thing. All right. Um, the other thing is, we wait, don't so, know. So wait, do you have any thoughts or not really? I do. We don't know how long that capital has to be deployed. It's not all one pool of assets. You're talking mm -hmm. about probably a hundred different funds. Um, and even within those hundred different funds, how many different funds does KKR have out right now? How many different funds does Blackstone have? So it's not like it's $1 amount, there's a clock ticking, they have to throw it at something. This is like a rolling thing. And by the way, the minute one of these things, the, the period of time to deploy matures or, or ends, there's another fund raising money. And what's really funny to me, everyone's a contrarian now. What's really funny to me is how many people are raising distressed funds and they're saying, we're going to hold this in cash until the economy turns and we're going to invest in distressed. If everyone is ready for a distressed boom, maybe you don't get What one. if this dry powder starts investing in new funds? What do you mean? Just what I said. One fund investing into a new fund? Just keep rolling it. Yeah, this is what we need. Uh, we need fees on fees. Um, that's all I got for today. You got anything else? Nope. All right, listen, we need you to come into the comment section. Let us know what your thoughts are on these topics. We always love hearing from you. We get a good laugh sometimes eh. too. 
Michael doesn't love it as much as I do. Um, oh, if you're not subscribed, I don't really know what your story is. We're about to break 20,000 subscribers. We love our subs. Um, we put a lot of effort into the channel this year. Especially the ones, it. especially the people that call me a bald you. <laughs> is that what you got once? All the time. Once. Some, somebody told me I look homeless. All right. Um, listen, let us know your thoughts. Make sure to subscribe. Go ahead and give us a like. We will be back soon.